listening to episode 278 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the Netflix horror series, The Haunting of Hill House. And you had a five-day week last week. You got another one this week? Yeah. I don't know how. Damn. I know. (laughs) We have like four in a row. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, we've had hardly any at all this year, and then... uh, and then now we got four in a row, so I'll find a well, way think, to soldier through. Everyone else say, does. Well, I think there's a day off maybe in your future. And uh, I, I just saw an article in the paper today. They're coming out with the uh, rating system for schools. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the report card or whatever. Yeah, so I'm sure uh, what's-her-name will have you guys on your toes because if you don't get five or five stars or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Because God help you if Centennial gets five. Uh, well, <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, our school is a a little competitive. Yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, listen. Uh, before we go too far, and we've done a pretty good job, I think, uh, the last year or so. But uh, you know, if you want to contact us with some episode feedback, questions. You can do so via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Go to the website, leave us a voicemail, record your own audio clip if you'd like, and send it to us. Tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch, or consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. Now, in, in terms of news tonight, uh, obviously we're talking about episode six of Hill House tonight. We'll talk about episode seven next week, and then the following week we start with Travelers, so any feedback for Travelers 301 needs to be in by noon on Sunday, December 16th. And remember, if you have forgotten, and I'm sure you haven't, that Travelers drops on Friday, December 14th on Netflix. So we'll remind you next week. But Now, the other thing is, and I don't know how you get your podcasts. I think I've asked you before. How do you? Uh, like, like you, like iTunes. Okay. And, you know, maybe that's a measure of my age and, and just that I'm comfortable with it. But I know, I think it was Doug on the Facebook group says, uh, you know, just go to uh, Siri and say, play Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but you can now access Sci-Fi TV Rewatch on Spotify, which means you can find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. So I don't know that much about Spotify, but I'm told it's a good thing to have the podcast there. Yeah, so. I guess so. I, I, use, I, I play Spotify radio all the time. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, I, I haven't gotten podcasts off because I, I don't have like, you know, we don't have an unlimited data plan, so I don't go, you know, throwing my data about willy-nilly like that i need to be on wi-fi so i hear you and if you're home then you're probably using one of your other devices rather than your phone yeah yeah like my ipod classic yeah which nice. is where my podcasts are still reside cool <laughs> yeah so. all right well I'll, I'll start first with my tip of the week this time and okay. i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a, a really a, a classic show and that's Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as we seem to get the news each week that another Netflix Marvel series has been canceled, I, I guess I thought, well, you know, 
Agents of Shield is really good, and and I can't tell you how many people I talk to, especially these guys at the uh, grocery store that I go to back in the deli. We always talk TV, and my stay in shoppers is usually twice as long as it really needs to be. But it's like, have you seen Jessica Jones? I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, it's really good. Luke Cage, yeah, Daredevil, oh yeah. Well, okay, he says it's good, and I know you say it's good. I still haven't gotten to it, and it I'm is. like, well, well you have better you seen- get, go quick. I know, but I'll, like, have you seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No. Like, you know, it, it's really good. You've got plenty of time before the next season uh, airs, which is, I believe, next summer. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I believe it's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, eh, really, it, it's really good. So, all right, so, all right, Dave, let me, well, first of all, I'm going to try and shake this out. So you go to the store. And you go to the deli and you hang out, talk with the deli guys about sci-fi TV. Yes, I do. How'd you how'd and, you how'd you make that connection? I mean, how'd you figure that they were like? All right, here's what? how it started. <laughs> uh, I've been going there regularly, you know, for a number of years. Okay, and I go up to the deli counter, and the, and there's like usually these two women who are a little younger than me, and then there's a guy who's mm-hmm. two guys that are like in their mid to late twenties. So I come up, and the and the women they they see me and they just start laughing. I'm like, "What are you laughing about? We all think you look like Jim Carrey." <laughs> I'm like, so so we always call you Jim. We say, "Hey, here comes Jim." Uh. We. And so I, I guess that broke the ice and we start talking right. and I, somehow TV came up and, you know, my, our podcast and the podcast with Michael and, and just, you know, one thing leads to another and that's how it started. Right. So next thing you know, you're sniffing cocaine off of their backs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd settle for some free roast beef. But, you know, <laughs> that's just me. Is that like uh, a anyway. man? Like, all right. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so, dude, I am so excited about this pick of the week, man. OMG. A couple weeks ago, I was, I'd mentioned before, I'm like a big fan of the uh, BBC History Extra podcast. And on the one, they were interviewing Bernard Cornwell, who wrote, I don't know if you ever saw any of the, the Sharps uh, TV show with, uh, I can't remember, but Sean Bean played the lead role. Um, there was like this unit of, um, uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know it's like a, a military unit in the Napoleonic Wars and everything. So this guy, Bernard Cornwell had written that. Well, he also wrote a bunch of novels that Netflix turned into a TV series called The Last Kingdom. So I, I, I I see it every time I go on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I have read a number of people think it's really good. So dude, it is so good. I've only watched like the first four or five episodes. I think I'm four in. It is incredible. It is great. I am so psyched to watch this show. Uh, it's it's really really good. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's got it's got pretty much everything. You know, it's about um, you know, it's not. I, when I was talking to Michael about, it, I'd only seen the first one, and I kind of described it as like the reverse side of Vikings. You know, it's like the Viking invasion from the Anglo-Saxon perspective, but it's not entirely true because we still get quite a bit of the Danes perspective, but we're really, it's, it's all it takes place around the time of Alfred the Great. And of course, at the time, he's just become king, so he's just Alfred. And you get really a feel of, of like, you know, like I remember when I was 
in school, and I thought Alfred just, you know, came out of Wessex, kicked the crap out of the Vikings, and sent them packing. But really, uh, you know, I read a, a big book about him later, and, you know, it was really a lot of negotiating and dealing. Oftentimes, he would win the victory, then he'd pay the Danes to leave, you know, so he would actually pay them after he won a battle and things like that. So... Uh, but that's only part of it. The, really, it's it's Utrecht is the the main character, and it's following him. He's a Saxon boy who's captured by Danes, is raised by the Danes, and then um, is now on his own again, um, and he, him trying to find his way to reclaim his boyhood home and everything. It's just great. There's everything. It's funny. There's action. There's romance. There's just pretty much all you can want, and. Uh, you know, Danes and Saxons fighting each other, which is pretty cool. So Nice. And, you know, obviously we both watch Vikings as it is. And actually Alfred has just become king in Vikings and doesn't have the, the great attached to his name just yet, but yeah. he's certainly on his way anyway. So. Sure. All right, cool. All right, well, let's get to uh, Hill House. And we're talking about – I don't want to go to Hill House. That place is scary. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so we're talking about episode six of season one, titled Two Storms, written by Mike Flanagan and Jeff Howard, directed by Mike Flanagan. And obviously the title is pretty self-explanatory. I, I guess technically it could have been titled Three Storms because we've got the storm at Hill House, the storm uh, outside the funeral home, and then, of course, the storm within the family oh. as it just comes up. I was wondering where you're going with that one. Yeah, okay. But obviously a little bit of a different feel to this episode because we've got the extended scene in which the family assembles at the funeral home in which Nell's body is laid out and things just go to pieces. But, and I've, I've read several critics, I won't say that they trashed the episode because that's not really true. But for instance, in Fred's feedback, he questions why it's got such a high rating on IMDb. And I didn't check, so I'll take him at his word that it was over a nine. And I'll agree with you, Fred, that's pretty darn high. But there's a lot in this episode, I think, that speaks to the psychological versus supernatural idea that we've been wrestling with all season long um yeah but there's also a lot for the supernatural aspect as well i think well absolutely i think it certainly leans that way and you know i I guess we'll talk about that in a second but it certainly fills in some missing details about what happened that night and you know as we just were alluding are some of these occurrences paranormal rather than psychological i mean look we've got that scene where Nell disappears while holding Theo's hand. Yeah. Listen, this is just me, but I think after this storm, I'm out of that house, man. <laughs> you know, like they stayed. Like I would have been, I've been like, oh, you know what? This place is is freaky. I mean, there's, you know, Hugh firsthand witnesses some really freaky stuff on this night. And, you know, and he stayed. Like that to me is just crazy. Well, you know, I agree. And we don't know how long that night was after this night. I don't think this night was that night or or was it? 
You know what I mean? Well, you mean the night that Olivia kills herself? Yeah. No, I don't think it's that night. Right. So we don't know how many days, weeks transpire after that. But yeah, I agree with you. I think, okay, I I would chandelier about three seconds to say, let's get in the car, get the hell out of this place. Yeah. Right. Now, one of the other things, and, and, you know, Nell disappearing out of thin air is obviously a pretty big deal. Olivia says that she too sees people in the house, but they don't mean us any harm. And I guess I wonder whether she's saying that to reassure her child or whether she really believes it. I'm leaning towards she really believes it, but at this point, I'm not sure. Right. But, But it begs the question, is the house actually haunted? And for me, one of the details that, again, I I just can't shove to the side is the fact that every time Hugh gets the flashlight out and puts new batteries in, they keep dying. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. We've seen... Okay, I mean, all right, we have been, you know, kind of going forth between supernatural and psychological. And I was at first pretty much on the, you know, psychological part. But each week I, I become more and more convinced that this is all, well, not all, but that it, I, I think it's, it's a combination. There's definitely something about, because not all the Crane family were affected by the house, right? Like, that's you know, right. So, like, Stephen and, and Shirley. Uh, and actually, kind, Theo kind of, but it's really Olivia and the kids that seems like that are really kind of participating or or having the, the weird things done to them. Well, well, I mean, if there is some sort of entity in Hill House, I mean, if there is a being or whatever that, uh-huh. that is is doing these things, has it followed them to the funeral home? Because... If you accept that, then you've got to almost go towards the side of mental illness and psychological, but there are some things that happen at the funeral home. Right. That Nell's there. So, you know, at at the end, when we hear the child Nell saying, I was here the whole time and you never saw me. And then we see Nell as the bent neck lady standing in front of her coffin so we get the impression that a lot of the things that have happened were because Nell is there. like, Right. Now, you mentioned Theo a minute ago. And for me, what really comes to the forefront in this episode is her anger is just uncontrollable. I mean, it, it, to say it bubbles to the surface doesn't do it justice. Who is she mad at? Because... As I go back and look at some of these scenes in the flashbacks, she was angry even as a child. Yeah. So is she mad at her dad? Is she mad at Stephen? And and then that that line, which I love because, you know, we, we, we've really felt horrible about the things that Luke has gone through with his addictions. And then when she says, I'm trying to drink her back to life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, it's kind of funny, but on the other hand, it's it's really heartbreaking. So, I, I mean, who's she mad at? It, well, you know, I, I think you kind of nailed it. It's that she was always been aloof, like even 
in like I believe episode one, we see Theo by herself. Um, it was either one or two, I can't remember. But you know, like N- Nellie comes in and grabs Shirley and says, "I want to have a tea party." And they walk outside, and there's Theo reading, and they're like, "You want to come to tea party?" She's like, "No." So you know, and, and, you know, probably a part of that is because she does have this ability. When she touches people, she touches things. She can sense where they've been or what they're feeling or whatever. So, um, you know, so I, you know, her reaction to that seems to be to kind of, well, as we saw in the, the theocentric episode, she builds walls around herself. And even you see all, almost all the shots where the family is huddled together. Theo is always on the periphery, even beyond the periphery. She's standing back. Everyone else is kind of together and she's off to the side or in the background or something like that. Yeah, leaning against a wall. Yeah. Uh, and, and almost as if she just doesn't feel part of the family. And whether it's that middle child syndrome, which when you think about it, it does make sense. You've got the younger twins who obviously have a deep connection and then the two oldest children. And, and is it a result of that? So it's, it's hard to say, but but clearly she's having a difficult time keeping things together. And then there's Hugh who shows up. We get at least three different times in which it's clear he's talking to somebody else. We assume it's his dead wife, Olivia. And of course, Stephen keeps bringing up the idea that this is all mental illness that our family suffers from. Right. So. Yeah, well, well that's, you know, Stephen, right from Ward 1, you know, he said that, like, the supernatural is just natural occurrences we don't understand yet, right? Sure. So, you know, he's definitely not a, a believer of of that there there is anything supernatural occurring at all he just blames it all on on illness but you know what we've seen because you know we obviously steven is not privy to what we as the audience what we're able to watch and so i think he'd probably have a a different attitude if he had been able to watch you know the first four five episodes of the show yeah um and then i guess the the core question why does Nell kill herself and and you know we'll talk about that I'm not sure we have a real answer I mean we certainly have some theories but yeah I mean obviously this episode is about the family coping not only with Nell's death but still coping with what happened at Hill House when they were children and how their father dealt with things and I think it almost makes sense tonight to to sort of go chronologically in the episode and and obviously one of the early things we see is that interaction between Cheryl and Theo and she asks Cheryl well how did she look when she came in and Cheryl says do you really want to know and she says no yeah which I understand you know I I she probably did but maybe was even afraid to hear what the answer was now we saw what she looked like and it certainly wasn't that bad i mean it wasn't as if she'd but been in when, a car accident or something right. like that but then when we find out and 
the siblings find out that Luke is on his way with Stephen and their father, and I believe it's Stephen that says, please, Luke, don't fuck this up. And, and of course, we know exactly what he means. Right. And I find it really interesting. On the one hand, I believe it's Stephen that even points out that he's pretty sure Luke has been sober for a while. He's an emotional wreck, which makes it difficult to tell at times. And he, he wants to go up to the casket right away, and, and he just can't bring himself to. He, he gets part way up, and, and it's, it's just really difficult. And, and Stephen, when he finally makes it up there, and I guess I assumed he had already gone up to the casket before, right. but, I mean, we, we saw when he got there with Luke. So once he got up there, he had a difficult time keeping things together. Yeah, I was really surprised by that, right? Like, yeah, you know, Stephen seems like to be. Well, I mean, Shirley and Stephen, I guess, both seem to kind of be in control and everything. For him to, you know, just kind of lose it like that—that that was that was that was crazy. I was not expecting that. Well, right, and then I start thinking, well, does he feel guilty? And we do see that scene from the past when he tells his brothers and sisters, don't worry, I'll protect you. I forget his exact words. I've got it in my notes somewhere. And then he realizes as an adult, well, he really didn't protect them. And we could argue, well, it really wasn't his job. It was his parents. But then after everybody leaves the room, he sees Nell standing there. Yes. And we had that, episode was it episode one steven sees a ghost Mm -hmm. i think it was episode one and for all his protestations about mental illness in the family i still at this point he probably just chalks that up to grief and emotions and whatever but he's probably starting to think maybe there is something to all of this yeah i mean i don't yeah i I mean yeah i guess if you believe firmly enough you could probably explain away almost anything but you know what more does he need to see i mean he saw his sister's ghost i mean that that happened you know uh and and then when the dad gets there he's he's really torn because on the one hand and, and you you hear him fumbling for his words and i understand this family's been through a lot but i really felt as if one of the children should have stepped up and just stopped him when it was clear he didn't know what to say. Because on the one hand, he wants to say it's really nice, and I think he starts this, having the family all together, yeah. and then he realizes, well, under these circumstances, and, and he just there's just no graceful way for him to get out of that, that line of thinking that he started. And it just felt like one of them could have helped him out a little bit, but uh, maybe, but they, I mean, you see the anger that they have. Well, especially Steven, you know, it's like really has a lot, but, um, you know, it's not like these kids have a great basis of relationship with their dad to, to build on, you know? Well, that's true. You're right. And I understand that. Then we see Steven and Theo hanging in the back of the room and then, Everybody's gone, and we see Nell with the bent neck in the back. So we're not seeing what one of them sees. Right. This, now we're seeing this. Is that the one we, where we 
they're facing the coffin we see here in the back? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. How creepy was that? Well, and then the, to me, that's a check on the side of supernatural. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Because none of them are seeing her. We're seeing her as the objective third-person viewer. Right. Now, I thought the transitions were really well done in this episode. Uh, Hugh's going to look for a bathroom, and as he's walking down the hall, he's transported back to Hill House. And Yeah, how they did that? I mean, I know, like, that What was the, uh, the Birdman movie, right? Like, that they kind of did that. It, so it looks like it's all one long scene, but they actually have cuts in there, but they're done so smoothly like here like timothy hutton doesn't the camera doesn't cut away from timothy hutton it's it follows him as he walks out of the mortuary and then down and all of a sudden he's in the hall of hill house the camera stays on him the whole time it doesn't cut away or anything like that it's that, that was that was that was really impressive piece of filmmaking. I thought. No, I, I agree. And there's some other camera shots that, that I'll talk about later on. But as soon as he gets into that foyer, is when the chandelier crashes down before. Him oh and then he see- my god, that scared the hell out of me. And this, right, it and was he- the second time I've seen this too. It scared the hell out of me. Right, and he watches his younger self attend to it, and and his younger self is pretty damn calm for what just happened but as the storm rages things keep happening in the house Cheryl's window explodes power goes out and then nell goes into the statue room with the weeping angels Ugh. and she sees bent neck lady among the statue yeah i i assume that's the first time she saw bent neck lady i mean that's the impression i got no no no, well, we My, knew the first time she saw her was the first night that they were in the house. Oh, you're right. That's right. And hovering over the bed. That's and, right. And, right. and she knew right away, you know, because, you know, in, in that, after that first time, she says to her parents, she was like some kind of bent neck lady. This time she sees her right away. She's like, bent neck lady. Right, yeah. right, right. And, and that's, of course, when Olivia tells her that mommy sees people here too, but they won't hurt us. And on the one hand, as a parent, and obviously you can speak to this as opposed to me, uh, do you tell your children that kind of a lie? I would think not. Well, I, I assume from their perspective, it's like, well, when Olivia says she sees people, I believe that. Yeah, I do too. That, well, that's true. Good point. Like, remember, um, what was it? Um, you know, when she, when they found the hat, and she said, I'm having deja vu, but then she, like, basically describes, like, she's actually, it seems like she's actually seeing the place. It's definitely right. not deja vu, you know. So I think right. she's, she actually, I don't think she's lying to her at all. I think she actually does see um, dead people. Oh. Well, yeah, you know what? I should really back up. I shouldn't have used the word lie because, as you said, I believe that she sees these people too. Should she have lied? I guess, I guess would have right. been more accurate. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's that. That's the thing, right? Well, if she's seeing people and Nell seeing people, you know, again, I go back to why are you still in this house? You know, at some point, you just gotta say, um, my own and the sanity of myself and my kids is a little bit more important than the money 
we've sunk into this thing. Let's just sell it cheap, take the loss, and get the heck out of this place, you know? Right. I mean, of course, because otherwise it's sort of acknowledging that this is the new normal, seeing people that really aren't there. Absolutely. Maybe they are there. Well, Hugh sees Olivia standing from a window that basically explodes, and then he he ducks and he gets up, and the window's still there. Yes. You know, like you know, like I said, he he firsthand witnesses some freaky stuff. You know that that's really not explainable unless he's you know maybe it's ergotism or something. <laughs> you know what that is? Well. I, oh, yeah, well, you mean the from the ergo plant? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, almost anything now you hear of, like, like a mass, you know, like insanity going, like the Salem witch trials. It's a theory. Sure, that something ergot that was. Yeah, that 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 was the thing. Um, I actually heard a podcast, and they uh, were talking about the the if there's really a Pied Piper Hamlin. Apparently, there something did happen where all the kids of this town disappeared. And of course, one of the theories is ergotism. So whenever people are all of a family start going mental at the same time, can we blame it on moldy rye? I don't know. <laughs> you know, Dr. Who should do an episode about Salem. Yeah. And, and witch trials. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, good idea. But to set it in England, maybe during the time of James the first, I think would be exactly. Better. There you go. Right Now, we hear a little bit about Aunt Janet, and, and after Olivia commits suicide, Damn the kids it, go to- Janet. Sorry. Just what did I little... say? No, you said you said right, but I was just doing a little Damn It Janet from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, God, that's been- <laughs> Oh, man. It's got to be 25 years since I've seen that. But Stephen, and I wonder if some of Theo's anger comes out of this, he left- after being at Janet's only four years. So the twins were only 10 when he left to go presumably to college or, or whatever, but he left aunt Janet's at that point. So we're assuming the twins and Theo were left behind. We don't really know about Shirley at this point, but Theo continually is picking at Stephen for recalling childhood incidents at aunt Janet's. And the one that, stands out to me is the i mean certainly the the santa writing letter that hugh tells is perhaps the most important but when they're camping out in the backyard and he's pretending to be a bear nell says that they're safe because they're indivisible and Stephen corrects her and she says i mean what i said bear right that the family can't be divided and of course that's exactly what has happened the sure. house did, did divide the family so i really like that but how powerful is that story that hugh tells about nell writing letters to santa and never once asking for anything for herself and then right. as he says yeah and then your mother and i had to go out and get all the things on the list <laughs> like well i'm thinking like dude well you should be glad that made it easy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was definitely a a touching story, you know. And and you you kind of you know feel for Hugh a little bit here because he lost 
you know, I mean, he lost his whole family in, in that house. You know, his kids were raised by someone else. You know, he didn't get to see them. He, he lost his wife. He lost his kids. He's he's all but a stranger to all of his children now. When he first walks into the mortuary, when he sees them sitting there, he sees them. He sees their child selves sitting there. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, well, yeah. Exactly. So he's just, you know, I mean, it's just any parent at all struggles with you know realizing that their kids are growing up and they're they're not the little kids anymore. But you know, he got he he missed out on everything. Well, right, and that's the first uh, point in the episode. As soon as he walks in and he sees them all the way they were, and he says, presumably to Olivia, they're all grown up. I mean, because he clearly wasn't saying it to one of them, or you right. know, so you know. Once the episode continues and we see him do it a number of times, we, we get a feel for what it is that he's doing. Yes, ergotism. Right. Yeah, but as Theo's anger is just, you know, bubbling on the periphery, as you said. Stephen is front and center confronting his father. His father tells them that Nell wrote to him once a month. And he's like, well, you know, it'd be swell if you gave us some answers. And as he implies, how could she write you once a month and you not know something was wrong with her? And... I guess I believe, Hugh, that she really gave no indication. And maybe this goes back to when she was a child. It was never about her. It was always about everybody else and that she was telling her dad, keeping him up to date on what the other children were doing with their lives. Yeah. And well, we saw last episode, you know, we saw Nell and her, you know, pretty fairly rapid descent so but it's not fair for steven to you know to get in huge face because they all were able to witness well not all of them but he and, and theo you know were able to witness how how far she'd fallen and how different she was um and both of them and as well as the doctor who all asked her if she was taking her medicine and you know just accepted that, that she was when clearly she wasn't um so yeah it's not really fair because he had as much a shot at saving Nell, which is actually zero when you really think about it because it seems like she was destined to go back to that house no matter what okay if we were hauling out frytag's pyramid to break the episode down into its components that i think we could say this is the climax as Cheryl starts getting on steven about the book as if the book is what got us to this point, Theo yells out, I have enough of my own grief. I don't need yours too. And she admits that she took the money and everything starts to come out at this point. And if you notice, the camera starts going in a circular motion around the room as the family is just spiraling out of control. I just thought that was so well done. What a great choice by the director. And she brings up the fact that Cheryl has tried to bully everybody into doing what she thinks they should be doing. And finally, and you feel for Kevin. Oh my God, poor Kevin. Well, right from the start. Yeah. Um, 
Right. <laughs> it's, he's asking everyone if they want some food or iced tea or something as everyone comes in. Uh, but it, I just thought it was hilarious that, especially seeing it the second time, I can't remember who first starts in. Oh, well, Shirley and Stephen start arguing, and they start to get the, onto the subject of taking the money. And Theo's like, all right, hey, let's calm it down. You know, like, like you know, Theo is definitely has some interest in this conversation not going any further, right? Um, yeah. And then, of course, she admits that she took the money. And then she and Shirley start arguing. And now Kevin is the one to be like, all right, hey, let's 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 bring it to you. Because know, like, it's for the exact same reason. He has uh, you know, a reason uh, why he would not want this conversation to go on any further as well. So, um, Well, and I half expected Theo, having consumed a lot of alcohol at this point, to just blurt it out. Right, but she doesn't, and and Kevin finally steps up, and, and as you said, admits it, and and he has his reasons because Cheryl is apparently giving funerals for free and and you know, below cost, and but it takes us to the button incident, and dude, I, I yeah, who 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 placed the buttons? I assume the ghosts of Nell did. Right, I, I mean, none of them. Yeah, I mean, none of and them. The camera just cut near. away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so there's there's no there's no like, yeah, cut that we we could see. You know, it's just you know, and again, well, I mean, like you know, good magician always like you know distracts everything, but uh, when we see that you know there is some spirit there, Nell, that's there. You know that's a possibility. We we don't really consider that maybe it was one of the the family. We just think, well, there's a ghost there. She might have done it. Well, and I love the parallels between the funeral home and Hill House because just like at Hill House, suddenly all of the lights go out. Right. And then Hugh sees Nell with a bent neck, and now we're back to Hill House again, and everybody's looking for Nellie. And we see Olivia starting to go room to room. And I assume that that one room she goes in is the room with the horn. When she leaves, we see an old woman sitting uh, up in the bed. Yeah. But uh, now here's where I'm a little bit confused because clearly she does not see that woman. But then she opens another door and it's that boy in a wheelchair. Yeah. Who looks like he's dressed in maybe 1930s. Clothing. Right. Well, no matter how he was dressed, I'd be like, what the hell is the kid in a wheelchair doing in my house? <laughs> well, right, because there it appears that she maybe sees the kid in the wheelchair. Oh, she definitely does. She, I think she steps uh, uh, out of his way. Right. And then, why, you know, why did she not see the woman in the in the bed? Maybe the woman in the bed appeared a little too late she was already it, on her way out yeah I don't know. It's, we don't see her till olivia's like headed out the door so you know i don't know right but uh and, but yeah and and then of course this is where olivia starts walking down the hallways and hugh is just always a few steps behind she doesn't react to him which what does that tell us i mean well, clearly yeah, she I has to be able to hear her hear him but yeah, but she gets to the end of the hallway, and then he gets to the end of the hallway, and she's gone. Right. She's and like then, in some kind of Escher print or something. 
Well, and then her answer, I'm having the strangest dream. Right. And, and then the kids start screaming downstairs. Something ran through the house. And I love Stephen. He says, look, I don't know what it was, but it was definitely something. Yeah. So, you know, because he is the oldest. And, and, and that scene at the beginning when his father, and okay, you could argue, well, he's the oldest. He's the biggest. He's the strongest. Who else could help his father? move the chandelier but it just for me sets that stage that you're the little man when i'm not around right and that steven vouches for the others is is pretty important and then nelly suddenly standing in the middle of the room now maybe i've seen too much counterpart i start thinking parallel worlds sure I don't think Which, I don't think it's something we should, you know, uh, count out at this point. Okay, right. So I, hopefully not. I mean, that outlook next to time travel, parallel worlds, <laughs> right, is, is certainly one of my favorites. Well, and, you know, Fringe is you know that's still still one of my favorites. Yeah, and and Charlie Jade. Did you ever watch Charlie Jade? We we watched the pilot. We for, watched for the Sci-Fi pilot. TV rewatch, yeah. and I, I went on and watched about half of the season. Okay. But uh but then Luke and Hugh are talking about the lights. Something tells me they won't get the lights back on. And the two of them agree and we know they're talking about what happened at Hill House. Now the question and, and again, Shirley is livid. Who placed the buttons on Nell's eyes? And I, I believe it's Hugh that says, well, if I'm honest, no one of us. Right. Well, she didn't do this to herself. Uh, or, she or as you alluded a minute ago, maybe she did. Yeah. Yep. So, so at this point, it goes back to Jack Nicholson. And I forget what the movie was. But, you know, Stephen, you can't handle the oh, truth. The few good men, yeah. So... All right, so I love the role reversal that, that's coming up because suddenly Luke steps up and wants to know what happened to his mother. And then, of right. course, Stephen takes the opportunity to start demanding that Hugh tell them what really happened. Nell didn't kill herself. The house did. Now, obviously, that's exactly what Stephen wanted to hear, right? Yeah. The house killed her. Right, right. And then, uh, I and don't then, think he wants to do that. And then maybe the cruelest line I've heard in any show in quite a while. Yeah. Steven says, my problem is that the wrong parent died. Yeah. And then that's when the casket comes crashing off the stand. Clearly a reaction to what Steven just said. Sure. That was, that was harsh. Yeah. I mean, and I know, then, you know, I know Steven's got issues with his dad, but. That was harsh. Yeah. And then, of course, the lights come back on. And I, I think we have to consider strongly that this is Nell making a connection from the beyond, telling her family to get a damn grip. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, and, and you can all, see that, like, all of a sudden they stop their squabbling. They look down at Nell, and it's like this reminder that. Okay, we're not here to to snipe at each other. You know, we're here to mourn our our sister and our daughter. 
Now, we've talked about how this is clearly a horror series, and I guess you could argue that Shirley uh, is the recipient of you know, maybe one of the most horrible things that can happen to a wife is that she opens a closet door and finds her sister and oh. husband. And well, I, but did she? I mean, you know, it's like well, yeah. Well, look, what? Okay, I, I, they're clearly not making out, but they do seem to have hands on each other. Right. Right. So then we have to ask: Well, if so, how long has this been going on? And if it has been going on for a while, while you're living under your sister's roof, yeah, dude, that's. But, but you know, then, I I found it. I don't know. Like, how is it? Like, it's really like so. This guy, and I guess we'd have to go back and see the context. The first time she saw the guy with the, the uh, guy with the drink, the drink, right? Um, and I know she saw him the first time. Again, it was it was in the um, it, it was in their mortuary, but I their fu- a funeral home. I'm sorry, and. Uh, you know, but I can't remember the context, but this one, you know, like after, like right after she sees her husband and her sister and what could best be described as a compromising situation, she immediately sees this guy. So like, what's that all about? We've talked about how Steven finally sees his ghost. We don't hear Cheryl talk about the guy with the drink. I mean, this is the second instance that we've witnessed Maybe right. we will get to hear her, but my guess is this might even be something she just keeps to herself. And unless we get one of those camera shots where we see him and we know that nobody else is looking uh, at this point, we have to accept that that is psychological on her part. But then we get that scene that we, that we talked about before Nell returned. She's standing in the middle of the room and, you know, I was right here the whole time. And Luke says, I thought the house things had got you. Not that we needed to hear him say that to validate everything we knew and suspected about it, but it was nice to hear him at least acknowledge it to his his twin. And then we get that final shot. Nell's in the coffin. And, you know, you mentioned it at the top of the podcast, bent neck ladies standing in front, which I think we have to acknowledge that, well, that means that all of these things were Nell's doing. Yeah, we certainly, yeah, yeah. I I mean, again, with a show like this, 100% certainty is is, (laughs) uh, not really a thing, but uh, that would be my hypothesis, right? That, uh, yeah, as I said before. So. All right, so anything else you want to bring up about this? Yes, one? there's one okay. thing at least. So, all right. So, and again, this is, all right, Fred, this is why statues are creepy. Okay. So, it was when um, Hugh and Olivia go upstairs and they go into that the bedroom on the right. I guess it's their bedroom. Anyway, so there's a statue. There's two, there's a statue on, you know, on each side of the hallway. You know what I'm talking about? That, that, I'm not sure, but go ahead. Okay. So, well, if you, not that you go back, but so upstairs, um, there, as you go to the bedrooms and the kid's bedroom is on the left 
And the bedroom on the right, I believe, is the one that has the horn in it and where we saw the old lady on the bed. But I don't think that's Hugh and Olivia's bedroom. No, so I don't anyway, think so either. So I don't know if it's Hugh and Olivia both, but they come up and the statue is looking away from the bedroom out towards the staircase, right? So they okay. go into the bedroom. Then Hugh comes back out. When he comes back out, the statue is now facing towards us. Oh, nice. I it, didn't notice that. Yeah, I, like I thought I noticed it the first time because ever since I saw Blink, I'm always looking for statues moving. And uh, and that is – and this time I'm like, it definitely happened. I'm like, ah, this is why statues are bad. And that was fast. So fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, anything uh, else? That was – that was definitely yeah 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 remember to bring that up yeah well okay well we got the handle turning again with you know before the the kid in the uh um the wheelchair, the wheelchair comes out he's just turning the handle which again uh, sorry fred I, I know you you're of the opinion all these things are beautiful but in this case creepy yeah and and just you know really when i think about like especially luke talking to nell at the end there like the trauma that these two kids went through in this house. Can their parents not see what is like, it just kills me that they stayed there. Like I get you invest a lot of money in this house that you probably are going to be basically financially screwed for a long time, but what the hell, you know, Look at what's going on. Look at what's, what's happening here. Look what just if nothing else, look at what's happening to your children. You're two these two beautiful little kids who are absolutely traumatized by this place, and you're going to stay there, right, for money? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah, I understand. So, all right. Well, you ready to hear what Fred has to say? Sure. Okay. All right, so Fred from the Netherlands checks in, as he always does. So let's hear what he's got to say. Hello, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Hunting of Hill House, episode 6 of season 1. First off, I want to go back to the previous podcast where you were discussing psychological horror versus supernatural horror, and that in relation to the bent neck lady and Nell's death. Hear what you said. But we definitely cannot discount the supernatural. I mean, there is, without a doubt, a supernatural element to this. Yeah, without a question. She did well, haunt herself. She has been haunting herself her entire life. And for when she, her death, in her death, she goes back in time, basically, uh, you know, where, and she, you know, discovers that all these times, the, the bent neck lady, this thing that haunted her entire life, was herself like that, that that's not like i mean that happened right that happened in their former life and, and it happened now so well right but is that extrasensory rather than supernatural okay that extrasensory feeling in nell could explain why this is not supernatural so if she's extrasensory and has a feeling about her own death during her life and it, all those times she has those visions of the bent neck lady and that extrasensory is then the idea how she would die then at the moment she is really dying that she is 
thinking in her hypoxia of the last seconds of her life, thinking back at those moments, she was seeing herself as the bent neck lady. So then it has nothing to do with supernatural. It's just, yeah, extrasensory child with feelings of certain points in her life where she thinks of her own death. And when she then really dies, she thinks back in the last seconds of being alive of those moments. And people say when they are in a car crash or something like that, I saw my whole life in front of my eyes just in a, in a fraction of a second, uh, something like that. And we see if, indeed when Nell is uh, is hanging that she in the, in the first few seconds, although her neck is broken, it's a bit weird, uh, she's still a little bit moving. So that are perhaps those last seconds. Okay, going into episode six. I really don't understand why the IMDb score is 9.4. Actually, I did not like this episode. I would not give it more than a 7, or even less. To start off, I think it was too slow-paced. The whole episode is just about arriving of the several Crane family members, seeing their grief, frustration, and quarreling with each other. It was too much one by one arriving, one by one having the confrontation with Nell's dead body, one by one having some flashbacks or surrealistic experiences at that very moment. I really wonder if people have similar fights within their own families. It makes it all more relatable and therefore resulting in high IMDb scores. Last time I hoped for a U episode. Well, we more or less got that. But he is withholding information all the time. And that started to annoy me. When Luke is asking about the death of his mother, you only says, it's a, a complicated question, and says nothing again. Only at the end, when Stephen keeps pushing, he finally tells that it was the house that did everything. And then the harshest line of the episode is spoken, when Steve is saying, my problem is that the wrong parent died. Okay, horror. So what was the jump scare of the episode? <laughs> well, in my case, it was the chandelier that came down. And what was the funniest moment of the episode? That was when you were saying, she got that from, from your mother, you know. And Shirley says, alcoholism. They are talking about Theo, and then Theo walks out, uh, putting up her middle finger, and actually nobody sees it, but she still does it, and it was very funny. Okay, what is the thing with the buttons on Nelly's eyes? First I thought Luke did it, because he and Nelly were playing with those buttons when they were children. They came from a box in the red room above the library of Hill House. Then I checked who was the last one standing close to the coffin. And it was Stephen, discussing with his father, but in presence of everybody. Then they all slowly moved through the aisle in the middle to the other room in the front. When they then are quarreling in that room, Theo is the last one to enter the room. But she is not coming from the aisle in the middle. She is coming from the left. First I thought she went to the table with the drinks which is standing there on the left behind the wall. But when we see her later, she has no drinks in her hand. 
So if there is anybody of the Crane family who could have done this, it would be Theo. Thing I want to talk about is about Kevin and Theo in that closet. Shirley is coming down to get her makeup stuff and then we see Kevin with Theo in the closet. You could have the impression they are embracing and kissing perhaps even, but if you take stills they are not and it more looks like Kevin is just holding Theo who is very unstable because she drank too much. One other thing is notable, that is Theo is without hand gloves there. So she wants to feel something. But yeah, I think being a true lesbian, it's nothing between Kevin and her. Perhaps they had a discussion about the money. And then Theo became quite unstable on her feet and he just held her. Which does not explain why she is without her hand gloves. Okay, I probably have to stop here because otherwise this feedback gets too long. Of course, there are other topics to talk about. Just one thing, I really wonder if we will get an Olivia episode next time. Greetings, all the best from the Netherlands. Well, you know, the the pacing of the episode is... It is what it is, and, and there's, a, there's a show that I review I'm not going to say because the episode hasn't aired yet, but it's a very similar type of situation that if you thought this one was slow-paced, then you probably aren't going to like the episode I'm referring to. Well, I'll, I'll you, you know what I week. thought about this is that it's almost, it seemed to me like a stage play. You know. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and like the, yes. the pacing and the blocking and how the dialogue and everything like went, it seemed much more of a stage production than than a film, especially with the, the right. super long cuts. Right, and, and you know, in the beginning when I first started taking notes, I was feeling like, all right, this is really the quintessential bottle episode. You know, that that episode that takes mm-hmm. place in one setting with limited number of characters or only the main cast members and certainly that's what we've got at the funeral home but then of course we do flash back multiple times to hill house still we've got these extended scenes where you know you mention on several occasions it's one long shot that there's no editing involved it's just camera movement so, I, you know, I, I get that, but I, I feel like it was the perfect point in the season to have this episode because things have been, you know, getting to this point where they all had to confront each other about their experiences because clearly they haven't and they're too old to not have done that when they really all wanted to do that. And then, of course, you know, I mentioned the the 9.4 on IMDb. The one thing I don't understand about IMDb is a show that my wife and I have been watching has a 6.8. So then I go in and look episode by episode, and they're all like 7.5, 7.6, 7.7. Well, every episode is in the mid to high sevens. How does the show have a 6.8? I don't know. I don't know either, but <laughs> um, now Fred the, the producer up, pissed off some of IMDb, maybe. 
Right. Now, you know, the thing with the buttons and, and while right from the start, I guess I felt like none of them did it because I'm buying into the supernatural aspect just as heavily as the psychological. And as you said, the camera lets us know nobody really goes near the coffin at that point so there's no other explanation and as fred says at first he thought luke did it and on the one hand you could argue well that doing that somehow defiles her body but i guess the argument for luke would be that it takes as fred mentions you know the back to when they were children and she liked those buttons and and right. had that little button collection that that her mother gave her right so, and she yeah. saw when she's trying to protect herself with the seven buttons also right right but I, I, even theo like like fred raises the possibility that it was theo nah, as angry as she is and she is angry at nell because she oh, yeah. says that you knew what effect it would have on the family, and yet you did it anyway. Well, I think Shirley says that, but oh, Shirley! Oh, you're right, yeah. Shirley does. But but I but I I think it's you're still your point is valid though because I think she just voices what they're all thinking, except right. for maybe Luke. But all yeah. the rest of them are like really bitter, and that's what I'm saying. You, like, who is Theo mad at? Well, maybe start with Nell. You know. Now, Fred has some great images of Kevin and Theo in the closet. And, and as I'm looking at the first one, uh, yeah, you know, it looks like maybe they're just coming out of uh, maybe a little lip lock or something like that. And then. Uh, or she could be moving uh, towards him. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But. Uh, yeah, she's definitely her, her, her face is in an attitude of smooching. So let's see. Kevin's got to explain taking the money. Yeah. And he's got to explain being in the closet with her sister. Right. That's, that's wouldn't, not wouldn't a, want to be Kevin at this that's, point. That's not a good way to follow up, uh, you know, telling your wife that the, uh, the one thing she wanted, you know, she wanted more than anything was no one to take Stephen's money. And so he's been taking Stephen's money. Right. And, and then at some point, I forget what it went in the, in the, uh, uh feedback, Fred mentions about hoping for a Hugh episode. And as he says, we do kind of get a Hugh episode. And I really like it because for the most part, whenever we see Hugh, it's it's younger Hugh. And while he's certainly a compelling character, older Hugh has had all of this time to really i guess think about what it is he and his family went through at hill house as we start adding up the numbers which of the family members has not seen something i guess you could argue theo is the only one that hasn't seen anything in the same way that the others you know what i mean she sees by touching yeah as opposed to the others see visually now I don't know that that's any better, any worse, but uh, well, speaking I'll tell of, you, I, well, I'm just again looking at these pictures Fred sent. You know, Theo's gloves are off in the closet there. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, you're su- right. Maybe suggests a, a level 
of maybe intimacy that was occurring there. Right, because we pointed out she had removed her gloves when she had the encounter with the girl from the bar. Uh-huh. And so, oh, good catch. Thank you. And Yeah. So, and good thing Fred provided us those screen caps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, of course, he's got the, uh, the screen cap of Cheryl seeing Ryan holding up his drink. And, you know, I started, because it's one of those things that, all right, Am I supposed to know who this guy is? You know, I remember him from before. Right. So then I, I, I don't think we even know his name yet at this point, right? Well, I think, I mean, we got it just because off of IMDb, right? Is that- uh, yes, right, right. But in the context of the show, through episode six, we don't know what his name is. And, and we certainly don't know who he is. And we certainly don't know why Cheryl sees him. Other than, right. you know, a, a, as you kind of alluded to, the stress of the situation or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, uh, anything else you want to mention about Fred's feedback? Um, I don't think so. I mean, we, 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 you know, we covered a lot of what he, he gave us uh, in the podcast itself and everything. So, you know, but, um, oh, well, he, you know, he, he has the, you know, the funniest moment is when... Um, Theo is walking out, and she was like, "She got that from her mother." And she was like, "What alcoholism?" And she flips <laughs> oh, yeah. him the bird as she's walking out. That that was in a in a, a show that is really not big on the levity. <laughs> that was a, a genuinely uh, funny moment. That that was that was really good. Yeah, um, and Theo gets most of those lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If there's any funny lines, Theo gets them for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I, this is really the most we've seen of Timothy Hutton as Hugh, right? Like you mentioned that, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I just thought, like when he, you know, when he got there, and he started talking. Like we really, I think we only really saw him is when he was talking to Nell on the phone right before she went into Hill House. Right, um, she woke him up in the middle of the night. And you know what? Darn it! Maybe call me a kid of the eighties, but. That Timothy Hutton is one fine actor. I, guess, I just got to I'm putting that out there. Oh, I agree. No question. I, yeah. I think he's, you know, much overlooked. I mean, uh, so anyway. He was great. All right, and, well, and, and at this point, while we're talking about Timothy Hutton, just really quickly, I want to throw out there the, I can't remember what year it was, probably 2004. He had a very limited series called Kidnapped. I think that was what it was called. I might be wrong. But it was awesome. This is like right, like this is the show that, like I had like stopped watching television for quite a few years because I just we had babies and it was busy and tired all the time. But then this show with Timothy Hutton came on, and it just sucked me back in. I had to mm-hmm. watch the whole thing online because it got canceled. I think after like you know seven episodes or something, but. But it was great. So if you're looking for a, uh, you know, a flash in the pan that that burned bright and hot, but yet was distinguished by corporate greed, then check out. I, I think it's kidnapped, but I'm not sure. Timothy Hutton, check it out. Oh, IMDb cool. it. Well, and of course he was in Leverage. So. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I wasn't even going to bring up Leverage. I mean, that that goes <laughs> without saying. Yeah, right. Because now we're going like to start leverage. getting. E- we're going to start getting Facebook posts and emails like, well, maybe you guys can do leverage for sci-fi TV rewatch, which we 
got on numerous occasions while we were doing our librarians run. No, that would be great, but just can't. It doesn't. I don't, it's just not. It's just not genre though. Right. But it's exactly. so good. It'd be great. I, that would be awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. But yeah. so, all right. Well, let's leave it there. And as we said, we'll come back next time, talk about episode seven, and then we'll move on the following week with uh, travelers. But that is going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. I want to thank you for joining us. I'd like to hear what you think about. Uh, I was going to say what you think about leverage. Uh, what you think about Haunting of Hill <laughs> hey, if House. If you want to tell us what you think about Leverage, that's awesome, too. That's a great show. It's just so good. <laughs> uh, encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as always, go to sci-fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can get through the website. We'll be back next week to take a look at Episode 7 of Netflix's horror series, The Haunting of Hill House, titled Eulogy. Boy, that should be fun if this was the uh, <laughs> viewing. But until then... You know, Thanksgiving's gone but not forgotten. You know, I just think about, like, all that turkey that we had, all that turkey and stuffing and everything. And it's my wife saying to me, are you going to slow down? It's going to be a long night. You've been at that all day. <laughs>